Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Sano, joined, as always, by the 29th pick to my 21st pick. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I don't feel like <laughs> being downplayed like that, I don't appreciate, but at least I know I'm going to trade you. Yeah, all right. And then our very own, that's right, our very own fifth rounder, Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? I thought you was going to swap me for a me. <laughs> A swap. third for a third. third swap for a third. them if you got move, them. Move them down to 90, from 94 to 80, 84 to 92. Hey man, all the actions of fifth round. I'll take it. All right. It's a uh, it's it's crazy week here at Seahawks Nest Podcast. We had all these plans. Yesterday, we thought we knew what we were doing. Yeah, and then the Seahawks said, not so fast, Psych. my friend. Last week on this very podcast, we said, if someone offered a first-round pick for Frank Clark, we would say yes, yes in a heartbeat. Someone offered quite a bit more than a first-round pick for Frank Clark. <laughs> they said, hey, if you swap eight spots in the third round and you take a second-round pick next year, that'll probably be between 15 and 25 in the second round, we will give you a shiny new 29th overall pick in the draft. Eric, when you when this deal came across your table, what was the... What was, what was the, what was the what was the temperature of the room? How do you oh, feel? Well, temperature's cold because I'm right on a heating vent at work. And <laughs> they just blast the AC. However, um, guy came over and he was like, we traded Frank Clark to the Chiefs. I was like, okay, not the Jets. I wonder what we got. And I looked it up and man, I about cried for joy. I mean, it's a first round pick. 29th to be exact. That's fine, but there's a chance that the Seahawks were going to trade down for like the 29th pick. I think I actually said that in my trade down scenario that we would trade with the Chiefs. I think all three of us had that as one of our targeted trade Yeah, it was picks. like yeah. someone had the Colts, someone had the Cowboys. It was all natural. Yeah, so we get that, but that means uh, that we have now two picks to possibly trade down and get a gazillion picks. Uh, there's also a chance, very unlikely, that we're going to pick two first-round draft picks. That's pretty awesome. But also, I just want to look in the future a little bit. Next year's draft looks awesome. We have something like, I don't know, seven picks in the first three rounds. Very exciting. Yeah, so let's just talk a little bit about Frank Clark. Frank Clark, very good football player. Uh, Frank Clark was 11th in the league in pass rush productivity last year. Um, that's uh, Pro Football Focus's signature stat for this. He had a 8.7. So that it's a weighted average that um, how many pressures do you create per snap? Okay. He had Very, 13 sacks for the more layman's number. Uh, yeah, they 13, 36 two half QB sacks. Hits. So really, he was involved in 14 sacks, uh, 69 total pressures, uh, 31 run stops. And I think that's the hidden value of Frank Clark is that he's not just a guy who can play on uh, on pass downs. Also, a very good run defender. Um, he's and, almost more of a base end in a four three. And really, he can pass rush. The injuries caused some missed tackles this year that kind of kind of made him seem not quite as elite as he normally would. Um, I think that next year, fully healthy, he's an elite. He's an elite defensive end. He's a top ten at the position in the league, and that's the price that he should command. And you know what? He had to get twenty one million dollars a year. That's he needed to beat Demarcus Lawrence's contract. Obviously, that was his goal. Yep, he beat it by five hundred thousand dollars. I love how petty that is. That makes me so happy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, good for him. Uh, go get paid. Uh, Kansas City has an idea here. Andy Reid is going to have a heart attack in the next five years. Ouch. We're gonna have to pay Patrick Don't Mahomes. Know. Let's slam our window open for the mm-hmm. next three year, two three years, and take. Uh, our, you say two shoot three years? Shot. They have to pay Patrick Mahomes at the end of possibly at the end of next year. Well, that's when they can. That's when they him. can, but that's when he probably will ask to get paid. So if they're smart, they'll put the extension out as part of that fifth year piece. I was gonna say because they have that bargaining chip. There's a max two year before they really have to go hard. Although they will have a Tyreek salary 
Tyree Kill's salary coming off the books. Yeah, but the core of their defense will be built around a 25 and a 26-year-old D-end and yeah. D-tackle. So it makes sense for what they're doing. Like, this fits their scheme. Yeah, they're, 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 they're saying, we want our window to be the next three years. Kind of the same way the Rams said, we want our window to be the next two years. Except with a better nucleus. Yes, except for, yeah, right. Like you said, I like the I like the Kansas City core a little better than the Rams core. Um, so yeah, good for good for Ram, good for Kansas City, good for Frank Clark, and good for the Seahawks. It's the rare win win win. Yeah. Uh, no hard feelings. Uh, Frank Clark is welcome back anytime. I would not. I would say you know if I saw him, I would buy him a drink. He's a g- good guy and uh, good for him. Nice nice job for you. Actually, you know what? After the hundred five million dollar contract, I'd hope he'd buy me the yeah. drink. But I'll give him yeah, a fist bump. That's what he's getting from me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, good job by him. Good for him. Good for his family. I'm, I'm like happy. I'm happy. Like it just the whole thing, the whole situation's good. It's one of those rare situations where the franchise tag kind of worked as intended. The Seahawks had to had really no choice but to move on from a guy that was pretty good, and they ended up being able to get some value still, even though, um, even though they you know had to move on from the specific player. Do we want to do a quick whip around with Frank Clark memory? Uh, uh, so my favorite clip, Frank Clark memory was every time he dumped a left tackle on their butt, like if just push I was the just guy left, straight back, yeah, yeah, just, just push the guy straight back until he fell over. Cause he would do that a couple of times a season and it was always just a plus. Uh, I really liked how we thought that this guy could be pretty good and the way he grew into his position. Uh, bonus memory is every single podcast where Kevin said, Frank Clark ate his lunch. <laughs> yeah, Frank okay. Clark owned the Cardinals, which I always kind of just enjoyed. Um, I don't like the Cardinals, and uh, that they're like of our division rivals. There, that's the one that that's the one you don't um, respect. Oh no, Forty Nine ers. So yeah, that's the it's the one I I just hate. I have no respect for them. I just dislike them. Um, everyone's like, oh, Bird Bros, and I'm like, not my not my Bird Bro, not my Bird Bro. That stadium is cursed. It hurts all our players. Like I don't like them. That's true, and also, um, our, remember our kicker couldn't make a field goal there. All right. That curse extended past Hauschka. Now, uh, this affects the Seahawks draft plans very, very much. Ooh, can I talk about something with that? Because we actually had a Twitter question. Go ahead. So, Kieran asked, uh, can we make up the 16 sacks a year through our current <laughs> roster and with draft free agent additions? Uh, quick amendment, that'd be 13 sacks according to last season. Uh I mean, you don't. So you let's do, talk about that real quick. You don't replace uh, Frank Clark, uh, and at twenty one or twenty nine, it's very likely we will be getting. It's very unlikely we will be getting someone with a finished enough pass rush set to get more, much more than nine to eleven sacks in their rookie season. That being said, I mean you can. You, we've talked about this already for the last couple of weeks. You can scheme for pressure, but you can't scheme for coverage, and so. There's a chance that next year there won't be a gigantic drop off in terms of how much we're able to get to the passer. Nathan, I like what you said. You you can't replace Frank Clark, but we've talked about manufacturing pass rush is something that can be done, and we will do it. So we won't replace the man, but we will we will fill in nicely. We will get eighty percent of what he did. I mean, if you want a human, the horn. if you want a human embodiment of this principle, just follow around some of the better defensive line slash defensive coordinators in the in the um, NFL, Rod Marinelli, wherever he goes, pass rush follows. Uh, Wade Phillips, wherever he goes, pass rush follows. It doesn't matter if they actually have good pass rushers. And like Dallas is a good Dallas last year is a good example of this. They got pass rush from guys last year that me and Kevin 
generally agreed were bad, but I was like, I don't care. Wade Phillips is going to get them. To, <laughs> the guys are going to get to the passer on this team because he finds a way. They figure it out, right? Yeah. So there's some coaches in the league that really can do this and other coaches that cannot. And I'm hoping that we fall on the side of coaches that can do this. I would hope with the defensive uh, specialty that we have. To dive into it a little bit more, though, I actually looked into some of the players. So we picked up Cassius Marsh. Everyone wants to laugh. But he had three sacks, three sacks, and five and a half sacks in the last three years. He had seven and a half sacks in about in a season plus at defensive end with San Francisco. So when allowed to be a pass rusher, he's a guy who probably will get like around five sacks. The thing is, as a rotational took, defensive end, it took him a lot of snaps to get those seven and a half snacks. I looked that up because I was like, "Wow, he had seven and a half sacks last year. Maybe this is a bigger get than I thought." But he played. 550 snaps last year that's why i'm saying like if you're looking like four to five sacks out of him yeah. that wouldn't be a surprise Four, if we can play him less and still get four or five sacks i would be very happy with that uh then you look at we have jacob martin rasheem green naz jones and quentin jefferson i think that we can q, count on q i think the team needs a level of progression q was good last year 40 he had 40 total pressures yep and he had three sacks and that's a really low conversion number mm-hmm. you have to figure him getting between five and eight sacks would not be a surprise based on his pressure numbers. Mm-hmm. And then we just need either one of those guys to make a jump, which R- Rasheem Green, Naz Jones. Naz Jones is going to play end now, which I don't know why. That's odd to me, but that's what the team's going to try. I thought he was going to play three tech. No, they said that they want to try him to play him at end. So he's going to be a base end? I think he's going to play running on running downs, play end, oh, yes. Which means that he's going to get chances to rush the passer because people pass on first down all the yes. time now. Uh, and then and then Jacob Martin had, th- I think, three sacks last year, and he's a guy we could definitely see generating a few more. Yeah. His uh, pressure percentages were off the charts. My, another thing I will say, don't be surprised if the Seahawks bring in some of the name free agents that are still sitting out there. Because now we have $26 million on the cap. Because we have $27 million in cap. If they're like, hey, Nottam Kong Su, you want to play one year for $10 million? Uh, that's a thing that might happen now. A thing that was definitely not going to happen uh, prior to this, but that's... I'm. I'm in for it if that's this what the direction the Seahawks decide to go. Eric Berry contract on the table. Yeah, somebody. I'd love to get some yeah. of those cut players. Cut players is is the dream. I mean, you hope Dominican that... Sue. He's not cut though, right? No. Just just to be clear, he's cut from a different cloth. Oh, thank you, Kevin. And then I want to talk he's about a Port- lions and dolphins cloth. He's from Portland. <laughs> Have you heard? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then I wanted to give you some numbers for rookies. So I took rookie defensive linemen for the last four years in the draft because. People talk about, oh, we'll pick up this guy who gets a bunch of sacks. That guy. A bunch of sacks for a rookie is more than five. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Like getting a guy, hoping for more than like nine sacks from a guy who we're picking. No matter how talented this defensive line class is, I think there'll be three guys in this defensive line class that get have a chance like to get eight 10 or sacks. more. Yeah, that it's a uh, it's Bosa, it's Josh Allen. Who, who do you think the other one is, Kevin? Bosa, Josh Allen. Uh, are you gonna say Sweat? Nope. Brian, say, I'm going with Brian Burns. I'm going Brian Burns. Yeah, yeah. Brian Burns because he has <laughs> he has like the craziest amount of flexibility. Of we'll any, get to that answering a later question. of any prospect watch. I want to get into it now. I want to do it now. This is good. It's a good lead in. I want to finish this about. conversation though. It's it's a good lead in. What we're talking about though, right? Because right. like we got asked, uh, what defensive ends do you wish to see in the draft? So do you wish to even see a defensive end in the draft, Kevin? Yes. Which defensive ends do you would you would you dream of, and then which ones? What's your realistic get? Uh, all of them are realistic. Colin Farrell, uh, Chase Winovich, Zach Allen, uh, Anthony Nelson, Max Crosby. Okay, 
Where they fall roughly between first and... Between late first and fourth round. Really fourth round. Okay. Depending. Max Crosby's probably going to be like a late third, early fourth. Well, my my dream my dream uh, falling guy is not even a defensive end. It's a defensive interior guy. <laughs> is it Jerry Tillery? No, it's, Je- it's Jeffrey Simmons. Okay. Um, I want Jerry Tillery because he'll actually play this year. Right. Jeffrey Simmons probably won't play till week 10 <laughs> at the soonest. And I agree with what you're saying, Kevin. But Jerry Tillery, uh, I don't know if you know this or not. He's a big, sexy man. Yeah, Jerry Tillery's awesome. <laughs> I think Simmons is better, but you're right. He You lose eight to ten weeks of the first season right off the bat. But the Simmons tape... Sounds uh, like a Denver like Broncos was, first round pick. Simmons is real good, too. Simmons, holy smokes, man. I think he would be top five if he was not hurt. I mean... That injury is killer, though. Losing a whole season on your rookie contract is like... That's rough. That's the a Willis McGahee plan? That's a big pill to, for a team to swallow. Like, they're losing a third of the value, yep. right? Because the rookie contract is the biggest part of the value. That being said, I mean, I, him this next is just to... Uh, him next to Jaron Reed for like the next four years would be so 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 uh, awesome. Other teams would hate to see that. <laughs> um, okay, and then so so then who's your end if you have to take an end? Well, the dream is I like Brian Burns, and it's just the flexibility, and I think that we can finish his pass rush set. You're right; he's raw, he's tiny, um, he doesn't fit our team perfectly, but I just like it. The, but realistically, I'm with you, Clown Farrell. So the two people that uh, JRB talked about, and I'll go ahead and address it now since you want to. Um, so Brian Burns, my issue with Brian Burns is that, uh, 225 pounds is he doesn't play at a good weight to play defensive end in the NFL. And he's the kind of person who has to worry about being chronically overpowered. He's probably going to play at about 240. If, if you get a good weight team in there, he'll probably play at about 240. He's very long, which makes him a three, four outside linebacker who cannot have his hand on the ground. And cannot be in a position where, because uh, if a, if an offensive tackle gets his hands on him, he's done. If I, he's like Yannick Ngakwe at best, I think. Okay, here's here's the thing: is um, he, tall for how tall he is, the amount of uh, like flexibility he has, he's able to create a lot of leverage, even though he's not super heavy. So I think that he he's not just going to get killed, washed out by every tackle he sees. And the, the, every decent tackle, and this, yeah. But how many decent? We've we've seen this a lot. How many decent tackles are in the NFL? There's a reason every even mediocre one gets like eleven million dollars every offseason. I mean, that's the, a valid point. <laughs> there's not that many good tackles. And the other thing I think is that um, on some level, he's yeah, you're right. He's only ever going to get to like two forty five, even no matter what, because you don't want him to add too much weight. He's going to lose what makes him special if you if you if you get him really big. So you want to be so, a three four where you use him to play in space every once in a while. I, mostly I wanna, just pin his ears I back. I kind of want to use him like we used Jacob Martin last year, but he's like way not worth a first round pick. At that. Thank you, exactly. Um, but I just love him. I he's worth he's worth he's worth breaking your own rules for. How about that? That's so, like your own like scheme. He's worth trying to fit in. So um, this is my point. So JRB asked about these two players. I hate Brian Burns for a 4-3 scheme. If you're a 3-4 and you want him as a rush outside linebacker, I mean, more power to you. I can see that working. But specifically for our team, I hate the fit. Yeah, I think it is it is a really... They'd have to change the scheme a little bit. The other person that he mentioned is Rashawn Gary. Uh, Rashawn Gary looked like... Um, you know, like when like a puppy's about six months old and like the owner leaves and the camera's on and it records the puppy, like looking around, trying to find everyone, not really sure what's going on. They're slightly up. That is what Rashawn Gary looks like on every play. He can't diagnose 
anything. He looks lost very frequently. Um, all of his physical assets are washed out because he can't read anything. There's no there's no reason Rashawn Gary shouldn't have better stats. And his stats suck. Yeah, and his stats are bad. Like, but also, uh, you know, it wasn't just productivity. His efficiency sack stats also sucked. Yeah, he's just not. He was. He. There's no reason his stats should be as bad as they are. They're just not. They're not exciting. I just think that Brian Brian Burns specifically in a four three and Rashawn Gary in the NFL have huge bust potential, uh-huh. and Both I don't want to bust out on our first round pick. So, so that is JRB. Okay. That is my problem with those two players. So, you don't you you want you'd go high floor over high ceiling. Because I think I think Brian Burns does have a, a low floor. I need so. a certain level of floor, uh, and I think that they are below that threshold. Like I'm willing to go with a guy where I'm like, like I didn't think Bruce Irvin was a terrible fit, even though I thought his floor was pretty much where he landed. I thought his ceiling was like good, and so I was okay with that. Pick. That's 2018 top 100 player Bruce Irvin to you. That's in his Twitter. <laughs> that's in his Twitter bio, by the way. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> the the. Um, Should should we do his other question? Yeah, do the other question. So, JRB's other question, and by the way, thank you to everyone who's sending questions. We have a really nice set of them. uh, Is for each of us, Eric. This includes Eric. Okay. So you have to you have to you have to listen on this. Bruce Irvin. No, Bruce Irvin's a Panther. I just I was like, oh, is he still true? Is he still free? No, he's not. He's a Panther. I had to look at him. Uh, For each of you, what is one realistic guy that you need the Seahawks to draft, regardless of the round? I responded directly to the tweet. I said, "Give me little Jordan Humphrey." Or give me death. <laughs> Obviously, I was making a little bit of a joke, but I'm. But that's I mean, the guy you want. I really do. I really do think he'd be an awesome slot slot wide receiver for the CS. Did you guys know he led the Big Twelve in uh, explosive plays last year? Yeah, I, I, that was that was something I found. Did out. you also know when you watched the film, it was him just abusing bad corners most of the time? Yeah, it's sweet though. It's good that he has the ability <laughs> to do that. Uh, Eric, I I'm, oh there he's go. I had to get his name. You you did not have me. You you shocked me with that question. I would like to say Cleveland Farrell, but I don't really know if he's going to last to twenty. He could be gone at thirteen. I feel like the um, the shine has come off him a little bit throughout the draft process, and I there's a reason, and it's that the reason is that he's a Frank Clark type. He's where you solid. Don't know if he'll be able to be that guy. He's solid, but he's not spectacular. Nothing he does. Nothing he does individually, physically. When you watch the tape, makes you go, "Whoa!" Like the way that like Brian Burns' flexibility or Josh Allen's everything uh, do. Right? Yeah. When you watch some of the other guys, they do things every once in a while that make you are like, "You're like, holy smokes!" That is something. That's a thing. That's a thing that no one else can do. And he's not like a first step flash guy too. Like yeah. those speed rushers, like he's- jump off the tape. He's like just a, a much better version of uh, like the Boston College defensive. No, but uh, he's Allen. Zach Allen, where he's just he's super solid. He's good at everything. He doesn't make any mistakes. And you know what? On some level, it's just not exciting to draft a guy like that. He's solid enough where the Green Bay Packers could take him, and he's safe enough where the Tennessee Titans could take him. That's what I worry about. <laughs> um, I'll say this: the name I was just searching for, the guy I really want. If we don't trade back, I don't know, man. Andre Dillard, I think. I, you mean you guys aren't as high as Dad I am? And no, I love uh, him. I, I just, love Andrew Dillard. I actually think he's just going to get picked in the top ten. Same, really? Wow. I think he's going to be like I think he's going to top twenty. Pick. That's one of my bold, my bold draft predictions. I was going to ask Kevin for a couple bold draft predictions, and that was one of mine. Oh, but we'll I'll, get to him. I'll burn it now. Yeah, um, I think Dillard's a top twenty pick too. I agree. I, I'm top ten. Uh, I think he's. I think he's going worth nine, it, but I don't know if ninth, there. ninth or tenth. That's my that's my take. Okay, Kevin, that'd be a good pick. Um, I want a true single high safety. I want to walk out of this draft with either Nazir Adderley or Juan Thornhill. 
those the combination of that guy so many is the thing I need. There's so many safeties I like in this draft as long as we get But I don't without, feel like there's a lot reaching. of like great single high. I feel like that's a very specific thing. And where do you see Juan Thornhill going? Uh, somewhere in the second. You yeah. can go anywhere. And in Adderley, in, Adderley, Adderley maybe at that, first, early second. at that pick that we just got today. Yeah, 29 I think is a place where we could get him. Or if we like dealt back from 21 to 24 or 26, if we made a trade with Oakland or Indy, then I could see us being able to get him there too. All right, if I'm not just trying to create a meme, um, a realistic guy that I would love for this. Oh, wait, scene. you actually aren't going to just try and create a Okay. I know. For once, I'm <laughs> everyone gonna, be prepared. For once, I'm going to take the question seriously. <laughs> so if I'm not just trying to create a meme, I would still want little. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I, a guy would. A guy who Smith. I watched. So I watched even more tape this week, and I think that a guy that jumped out to me that I thought I think this guy is 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 more complete than other people do is Noah Fant, and I would be excited. If we took him at 29. Ooh. Um, and I think Noah Fant actually can block. That's my hot... T- that's a hot... Kind of a hot take. You think he, as well as he didn't people, have to because Hawkinson was so people good People act like Noah Fant can't block, but I saw him out there pushing dudes around. And I don't understand. I think he just didn't have to do it much because, yeah, like Kevin said, they had a, another tight end who was even better. And I just don't <laughs> think Hawkinson's going to be there when we pick at 29. And Fant is a physical marvel, and I would love to see a weapon like that on the Seahawks offense that can play in line or split out. We can come out in one one personnel on every play, and you don't know where guys are going to line up because oh maybe maybe Fant will be over here. Maybe he's going to be in line. Maybe he's going to be playing wide receiver on this play. Like we don't know. This guy is really good at football. Um, I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that corner right now and say like I think Noah Fant would be a great pick for the Seahawks. And don't forget that Schottenheimer and Solari like. You know, a year ago we were talking about using two tight ends all the time. Our our tight end situation has changed a little bit since then. We've got three really solid tight ends, but yeah, I mean, if you added if Fant to the mix, I think healthy. like okay, you come out with Fant and uh, Disley, and you know you you're gonna think okay, Disley's probably gonna be in line, and then but is Fant gonna be in line too? Or Disley can go out. He he made some good pass moves last year and like could really catch the ball. I don't know. I just I the. There's some flexibility there. He's a matchups problem. I think what NFL teams have realized is that you really want to make the other team a little bit confused before you get to the line of scrimmage. And one way you can do that is by having flexible personnel that can line up different places on the field and still be effective. Um, if you, it, it doesn't help if George Fant comes out on a play. It's You know what he's going to do. He's playing right-right tackle you know, or left-left tackle. He's not going to go out there and line up in the in the Y wide receiver position because if he does, he's not doing anything. The play's over for him. They're not. They might not even throw a guy out there on there. If they do throw a guy on there, it's going to be a coverage linebacker who's going to do a fine job. But I mean, they're cowards. But throw so it, that's that's, why they know. I was waiting. Throw it to Fane. I was waiting for Nathan to say that um, they won't throw it to him because they're cowards. So kind of a related question in my mind. Uh, B Jones asks, "What edge prospect would you was your favorite to replace Frank?" So uh, I'm going to let Eric name his because he has one guy in mind, and I want to talk about that guy. Whoa, whoa. Why do I have one guy in mind? I was going to go out of the box on this. Oh, you're going to – you're going to – you want to – you don't want to go with Clellan Farrell? You're your same guy? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you meant who we already have. No. Yeah, yeah. Cleland, Cleland, Colin, wherever you want to go. Cleland Farrell. <laughs> it's – you have to remember, uh, for those of you listening, if you haven't picked it up yet, I'm sitting in the room every week with two giant draft nerds. 
and it's pretty cool because well, I actually, don't one and three quarters. I about to say Nathan's the only <laughs> giant drafter because he's giant sized. I'm just the bigger nerd. I, I Kevin, Between Kevin, us, we make a giant drafter. Kevin goes harder than I do, but I, I, I really like Kevin put, goes deeper. I like look, watch, putting on the YouTube videos and just like watching guys and just trying to, to formulate an opinion on them, and then reading scouting reports from scouts I actually think don't suck uh, on the <laughs> internet. But because every once in a while you read one and you're like, nah, this guy's Kevin can go cool. to I'm another. Glad you're trashing him for winning with a woman <laughs> for living with a woman. Me and That's Kev, awesome. Me and Kevin, uh, I sent him a couple like funny scouting reports this week because I was like, "Look at this; these guys are stupid." <laughs> There's some really bad stuff there. No, but um, so I I get a lot of my information from these guys, but I I kind of like I don't buy into all the this guy's stock is falling, this guy's rising because we just don't know what's going to happen. So Cleveland Farrell, he was like, "This guy's going to be around 25. He's going to go in the top 10. Now he's back, maybe where we're going to be." I would really like this guy. Eggs are good for me. Eggs are bad for eggs. me. Some <laughs> eggs are good for me. I want someone. Poor, poor Eric watching watching the Cleveland Farrell market. Oh Not good. Gosh. I want someone who can be good against the run and good against the pass because Frank fulfilled both of those roles. So I'm hoping we trade out of the first round into the mid second round and pick Chase Winovich. I think that he could fulfill all of that stuff um, and do pretty good. I am a big fan. Um, I don't want to get one of these one note guys like uh, Jachai Polite. Or anything like that. I hate that pick. Hey, the two people I wrote down are Cleland Farrell and Chase Winovich. Hey, yeah, did it. So, um, Cleland Farrell, I made the comment earlier, and it may have sounded like kind of a joke, but it wasn't. Cleland Farrell is a Frank Clark replacement. In that, his game is a lot like Frank Clark's. Um, he is a uh, defensive end that is big enough to be a base D end and play the run, except he has some power which allows him to be a pass rusher. I could see him coming in and only getting like three or four sacks as Rick here, but play really well and then kind of develop into a better pass rusher over his career. Like that would not be a surprising career curve. Uh, Chase Winovich might be available late. And I think the reason why is really stupid. He's 24. Yeah, he's old. And people hate the fact that he's, he's 24 years and he's old. And he's not, his athletic, his athletic stuff doesn't pop. Like he's, I disagree hard. Like, like, I think that he's not, especially watching all the, if you watch all the other defensive ends and then watch Chase Winovich, you're like, okay, good athlete, not great athlete, but he's he's huge. And I think that also some of that stuff is, is not all him. He's got good size, but the other thing I really like is he has extremely good quickness. Like his shuttle, his three cone, his ten yard split are he, all really, really like. He did much better at the combine level. than I expected based on the tape for sure. Uh, I mean, his three cone and shuttle are better than Josh Allen's and Nick Bosa's. Right, that's what I'm saying. His name's Chase. But like, like when you watch him. when you watch the you watch him play though, I'm like it. It does not have like he's asked to play run first a lot. Yeah, I just and, think that, his and then he also has this lead anchor of Rashawn Gary next to him. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't do don't don't go that hard, Kevin. You can't. You can only come back so far from. He's like from. a blonde man's Jared Allen. If you want to bury someone, if you want to bury someone, please bury bury uh, Daniel Jones. Who, who? No, Daniel Jones. I want to keep propping him up so someone picks him earlier got, to push a better player. He got back first. On, he got first on the Wonderlick, but he didn't get a perfect score, and he went to Duke, so he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fuck that guy. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> Come on, Duke! You got to raise your standards if you go to Duke, man. He's got, he's got, he's got to knock that stuff out of the. Park. Coach K is disappointed somewhere. All right, um, all right. Uh, do we want to do the? Uh, do another. The, what are we going to do Hit with me. draft picks? Hit me. All right, so let's see. Paul, laying the smack down. Long time uh, Twitter For helper, Twitter asker, personer. 
he says, since they only have four picks, that was outdated. Since they only have five <laughs> picks, do you see them trading out of the first round to acquire picks in the later rounds I, or stick with all five? I think John Snyder wants one more pick minimum. Yep. He might go for more, but I think that he only really feels like he needs to get one more. So I don't think that if he gets more than one pick, if he ends up with like seven, don't be surprised if he packages two of those back up to move to up move and around. To move second or something. Right, yeah. to move back up and around. He's, I see that too. He's not going to just sit there and, and I think six is about the number of players he feels like he needs to leave this draft with. And I think he's about correct. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if you saw something like this. Like you saw, hey... We are in. We're at the beginning of round four, the very end of round three, and oh, the Seahawks are packaging up their fourth rounder and their sixth rounder to get Miles Boykin. You know what I mean? Like something like that, where it's like, okay, yeah. just like a reasonable move to get a, a pretty good player. Like I'm into this, right? So, I think that something like that could definitely happen. Can I give you my two trades? Go for it. All right. I no, you came up with specific trades. I came up with specific trades. Here. Way here. Profit. Here we go. Go uh, ahead. All right. So I have the Seahawks uh, trading back. The 21st pick, I think there's two strong possibilities. They'll trade back with Oakland for the 24th pick and then pick up uh, round four, pick 160. Okay. Or they could trade back with Indy for the 26th pick and pick up round three, pick 89. Okay. So that would be slide back, pick up like a third or a fourth. And then I think they'll trade back again. The 29th pick, that's going to be the one that trades back with New England. And they pick up another third round pick. Okay. So I could see the Seahawks just stacking third round picks, which would make I, a lot of sense because then you could package maybe a third and a fourth and move into the second or something. And you, you have them keeping like 24 and drafting So I have them there. ending up with like the 24th or the 26th and like the 32nd. Because I think with the new contract and everything, having that fifth year player option on two players, if they end up hitting on them, could be a big deal. All right. Um, Kevin. I was going to ask you this question. This is from Nathan um, from Twitter <laughs> at Nathan Santo. Uh, do you don't add him? Is the, is there a player that as you as you we get right close to the draft, you think that people are sleeping on that they shouldn't be sleeping on? Because I have a I have one, and mine was Miles Boykin. I just think that for some reason his I watched some Notre Dame, and I was like, this guy is pretty sweet. Um, uh, he just has Notre Dame's quarterbacks throwing to him, which right. is a big hindrance. Right, but he had, he could, like he would, like there would be like these terrible throws, and he'd go up for these contested catches. And I, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I care about this too much. But 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 I was like, dang, he's good at these. He's oh, pretty good, man. Um, uh, people that are being slept on that are really really good. Um, Jordan Miller, the corner out of Washington, I hear nothing about, and I think is a really quality player. Agreed. Uh. Draymond Jones out of Ohio State is a really good three tech who no one's saying anything about. Yeah, okay, the Draymond Jones thing is weird, is getting weird for me. It makes Him me, and Gerald Willis both. I think the Draymond Jones thing though, I think everyone he's not like a guy you need to go he's interview. Safe. He's not a guy you need to go think he I think people just know what he is. And they're like, he's we're picking him in round he's only got a round two or a round three grade for us and we don't need to deal with it. That would make the most sense to me. Because um, you're right. It is weirdly quiet in the German Twitter. Same with Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams. Like, Greedy no Williams. One's interviewing no one's him. interviewing him or anything. It's like super odd. Uh, so again, he must just be like a really safe guy. Mac Sharping, the offensive lineman out of Northern Illinois, is a guy who I thought was going to be like maybe a second round pick. And you just hear nothing about. And he's a guy who could be like, uh, he needs some work with his footwork and everything. But whether it's guard or tackle, he's a guy who's going to be really solid in the NFL. 
what can another guy I think people are sleeping on is Amani or Aruarie. Aruarie. Penn State. Which, like, this guy is, like, this guy is nice. Like, I don't understand why there isn't more, like, Amani Aruarie hype. There's, like, none. There's like, yeah. there's, like, zero hype for him. And he should be thought of as a sec- second rounder, solid second rounder, maybe even a first rounder. I agree. Um, uh, Emmanuel Hall, the that, wide receiver out of Missouri, is a guy who gets no attention, but he put up really good measurables, and he played well in the games he was in at Missouri. I don't know why he's not getting talked about in, like, the third round. Um, all right. So there. There's there's some guys that we would be excited to check. Now, who, let's go the other way. Who's a guy you think is totally overrated that you'd be like, man, if we drafted him, if we're Sean oh. Gary. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, my guy's Rock Rockyasin. Rockyasin is a great the, second round pick. Everyone's pushing into the first. Why is the, is hi- that the Temple the hype, Corner? Yep, Temple Corner. The hype train has gone too far. Why the is hype the first round so pick far? Now? Eric knows who he, who he is. That's, 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 this is 100 percent sign. Why if it's a he... second or third round guy, and I'm talking about him, watch out. Uh, Daniel Jones, the aforementioned Daniel Jones, who shouldn't sniff the first round, but is somehow getting top ten hype. Oh my gosh! Okay, the da- Daniel Jones thing, I I get it. He I looks good in shorts. He looks good in shorts. He can throw a football really far. But he is pretty accurate. He is a very he is. inaccurate passer, and his his footwork is straight up NFL level. It's like doesn't make any sense to me. It's like this guy has no offensive line. He has, he great has no ceiling he climbs, is the thing. He climbs the pocket like super good and then he makes this throw and it's like where who was that to? Like what were you looking at? You have like your feet are faced the right direction. You've climbed the pocket. You've avoided the pressure from your non-existent offensive line gave up and then you threw it to nothing. Like I don't know man. The guy I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Uh, DK Metcalf um, is just a downfield guy. But, I mean, at 29, I don't feel like D- I would be that mad about DK. Well, no, but, I mean, just you're saying people that are overhyped. I, I just kind of think of overhyped, like, if the Seahawks picked him, though. Oh, okay. Because, like, if um, we got Rashawn Gary, I don't even think I'd be mad. I'd be like, all right, at 20, at 29. At 29, I guess. I, I still wouldn't I can like live it with very it. much. Um, Wait, what? Uh, I want to throw a question out. What is one player you don't want to see, no matter what? And don't pick, like, a seventh-round guy. Pick, like, a... A hype train guy. Is uh, it Kevin Kevin got Rashawn Gary already. You want Rashawn Gary official? I mean, you want him out? Um, like, what's a guy? Give me, you, give me a minute. For, you guys do me, yours. Give me a minute. If you could this, walk into the Seahawks to draft pick. room and erase a name off the draft board, you can go into the draft room. Jakai Polite. You can erase a name off the draft board. Yours is Jakai Polite. Man, that guy but scares the hell out of me. That is not a bad choice. I just feel like in this game, you have to be mentally tough, and he is extremely mentally weak. Okay. That's just obviously off off the first story that came out, but that was a hell of a story. He killed his draft status. If Mac Wilson was a player that we'd even entertain getting, he would be on there. The linebacker out of Alabama, but we're not going to get Mac Wilson, so it doesn't matter. Um, this is hard for me because I I have a hard time like like what do I really want to <laughs> Fine, Nikhil Harry. I just don't get it. Like, I don't. He's yeah, it's good, and maybe he's the best wide receiver in this draft. He has great hands. I will take Debo Samuel but, and Paris Campbell like, over him all day. There's like five wide receivers day. I like better, and they I think they're all way easier to get. But I just mean like slot playmaker receivers, which is all Nikhil Harry is, and the, those are Paris Campbell and Debo Samuel, and I'll take both of them over him every single time. You know another slot every playmaker slot receiver that I would take over him. Uh, you'll say Lil Jordan Humphrey. That's Lil. He's Lil. He's Jordan. 
He's a little Jordan Humphrey, dude. If we end up with a little Jordan Humphrey, then that the ne- next week's the pod, next week's podcast is gonna be insane. You have no idea what I'm gonna be like. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're gonna be like, and you're gonna love it. Yes, we were in a headband. All right, so we only have like ten minutes for this, but our original plan today was to kind of go over like what are the, what is the rest of the division up to. So let's just go over <laughs> a couple things really quick, okay? One, Arizona picked up a ton of Seahawks castoffs. They have Riso Yambo, J.R. Sweezy, Darrell Daniels, all these ex-Seahawks. They have Kevin White now. Um, but <laughs> did, Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I missed is that he, Is yeah. he the receiver's oh, coach? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so receiver's coach. Arizona's done like a, a minor uh, roster revamp. They have Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph and no offensive coordinator. So... No, they have an offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, you can't. Mm-mm, don't do that. So they're drafting number one overall. The, they tried to convince everyone that they were going to pick Kyler Murray so someone would trade up. No Didn't one work. No one bought it. Yeah, that was the stupid thing to try to do. Um, I mean, I get it because Kyler Murray is really, really good at football. Um, and here's another thing I don't get. Okay, I look at these draft boards. Okay, these draft boards, and they say stuff like this. They say, uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a mid-first-round uh, value. And I, I'm i going to just be the guy who out here says it. Um, whatever quarterback grades you give people, I don't care what you think. It's not like that anymore. All quarterbacks now have potentially first-round value because the best one of the easiest ways to get into the playoffs is to have a good quarterback playing on a rookie contract so t- you got to bump up like everything by like a round or a half round or however you do because hitting on a quarterback pick changes your entire franchise we hit on russell wilson in the third round and our fortunes have been completely different it's we, we've been in the playoffs almost every year and we won a super bowl i saw a clickbait that said every nfl team's draft steal i'm like well i don't need to read that because i know who the seahawks is yep yeah, if they wrote anyone else, they're dumb. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, Kyler Murray is awesome. And the thing is, yeah, maybe you think, oh well, in a norm, in a normal year, it doesn't matter. in In this current climate, he's up number one overall draft value. He's that. That's how good he is, and that's how quarterbacks are valued. You can go now. back to RG three. He was he was originally going to be a second round pick. I mean, who but, knows exactly? But then where they it was, figured but, out quarterbacks are valuable. Yeah. And they bump him up, bump him up, bump him up. And then um, they and then they rode him out of the uh, into the ground. Uh, yeah, that's the, their their stadium killed his legs. Yep, uh, and also just existing near Jen Schneider. Um, so if they don't go Kyler Murray, my pick for them is Quinn and Williams. I think Quinn. But and Williams, I also would just pick Kyler Murray for them. I think they're going to actually pick Nick Bosa. There's just a lot of like rumor mill stuff around that. I think Nick Bosa and Quinn and Williams is a nice one A one B. And if I'm profiling both prospects. Um, in terms of Nick Bosa is just Joey Bosa, but like three years younger. So if you would be happy drafting Joey Bosa, guess what? I got something for you. It's it's Nick Bosa. Yeah, it's the same guy. So it, awesome, cool. You get him, but you he's on a rookie contract and he's a little younger and hasn't had any NFL injuries yet. And he goes least. into the rotation with Suggs and Chandler Jones, and that's a really really yeah. good pass rush rotation. Quinnen Williams is the 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 smartest defensive tackle I've ever seen, and he's physically also up to the task. He's a good elite athlete, um, so you know he diagnoses the play and then just destroys it immediately at, over and over on on Alabama's tape. He's so hard to stop. That Oklahoma game was a great example. The first half of that game, he he, made, he just poops in their soup all he day. He beat Oklahoma by himself basically at the beginning of that game. And the, Oklahoma has good guards. Ben Powers and Drew Samia are both pretty good they will and they have a center who's gonna be a draft pick next year it they, didn't matter they will both be third or fourth round picks this year drew samia and ben powers and 
it doesn't matter. Yeah, they could not they could not slow him down in the first half. The second half, they did some stuff, but they moved the pocket. They had to get creative with it. They couldn't just be like, "Hey, line up, we'll beat that guy." Um, and for a team that has you know four of their offensive linemen are going to get picked in the first three rounds, uh, yeah, that guy's good if he just destroyed them by himself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think one, those guys are going to land in Arizona and San Francisco, right, Kevin? Do you agree? There's those two guys in some order. Uh, if they're smart, yes. So I'm hoping no. Yeah, I'm hoping no, but I think I think yes. the The best hope for us is that they pick in the order that's the worst fit, which is that Arizona gets Bosa and San Francisco gets Williams. Yeah, because then they join a deep rotation where we don't have to see them as much. At least then they're yeah right. They're either playing. They're either putting a decent player onto the bench a little bit more, or and they're not. You know, they're not just replacing a guy who's crap. Like, so you think the Cardinals don't want Kyler Murray, huh? Uh, I personally, I don't know. Rosen is not a great fit Do I, for the type of offense that Kingsbury wants to run. But like Rosen is good. I don't enough. know. This feels like a smokescreen. Ch- Rosen, the chosen man. He's. I think he just he doesn't create well from the type of offense that Kingsbury runs. He does other things really well. It's a bad scheme fit. He's smart enough to figure it out, though. I I think I that, agree. I think these two guys are both smart enough and. I think once they got in the same room, they realized, yeah, we're gonna make this work, and it's not worth it's not worth a second rounder to try to figure out something different. That's like, the big thing is trade if, value sucks, and if, that's weird. If Rosen is in this year's draft, he gets draft tenth. He gets drafted around the same spot he got drafted anyway, we'll right? Say ninth last year. So, right? so yeah, I, he's better than Daniel friggin' Jones, and he's better than Drew Locke. In my he's better opinion. than Drew Locke. I actually think he's better than Dwayne Haskins. So then he might get drafted like sixth. Like that's the thing. If if I don't understand why there was no like why like you said Drew, Drew, seemed like Josh Rosen had very bad trade value. I don't get it. He's yeah. Dam- I don't get why somebody wasn't damaged trade, like goods. a teens pick. For he's him. damaged goods because Arizona's offensive line was dog shit last year. I think like, they view it as a known commodity, known in the sense that. They what? didn't see enough from him. He got thrown into a terrible situation. Absolutely. So basically, still, he's seen as a known commodity because out. the NFL's dumb. Mm-hmm. Got your point. Yeah, um, we're good. 100% it. Let's see. They need a corner desperately. Yeah, Arizona's uh, going to need to get... They need an interior offensive lineman desperately. And what? They, they have, have J.R. Sweezy and Justin Pugh. The all-injured my, team. I rest my point. <laughs> um, and then they need a wide receiver to play on the outside. They've got uh, Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, who are both better as slot receivers. But Kevin I White mean, they can not play cover. on the outside too. Hey, don't I, ever talk bad about Kevin White. Uh, me. Kevin White might do something different and tear both ACLs at the same time this year. Dude, yeah, deep cut right Wait, there. He also broke his uh, deep cut like all his surgeries. Oh, the thing about Kevin White is is that is that he, we don't know if he's any good. Well, we don't know if he's any good, and he it's a bunch of like. Not soft tissue injuries. Yeah, these are these are bad injuries. Like they're like broken legs and stuff, and it's like I don't know. I think it's might it might just be all bad luck. Yeah, dude's just made a toothpicks. It's it's like it's not his fault really, but it's just a thing. He walked under too many ladders or like picked up too many black cats or something. Yeah. Um He made a wish on a monkey's paw. Yeah. So um (laughs) that's that. And then So now we're going 49ers? 49ers. Can we skip the 49ers. They'll pick whoever's left over between Quinn Williams and Joey Bosa. Yep. I don't think they'll screw that up. Then They're, they also desperately need a corner and small, a safety. There's a very small chance they might pick Josh Allen, I think, if they go if it goes Bosa. If then, Bosa gets picked, they should pick Allen. And then they pick Allen, who I think is not as good as Quinn and Williams, but is, is a better very good at football. <laughs> I'm not trying to bash Josh Allen or anything. Josh Allen rules. And they need outside. Josh Allen. The big thing with Josh Allen, though, is he needs to continue to develop, but he developed a ton between his junior and senior year and, he was and his pro- sophomore and junior year. He was productive last year, yep. too. He was like the one of the most productive defensive ends in all. Like of college he looks football. super coachable. Um, and so yeah, I love. I'd love to see them. And then that would leave Quinn and Williams for the Jets at three, which would be uh, um, not 
great for them because they've been looking for an edge player for like the yep. last 10 years. <laughs> that would be the most Jets possible thing to happen. So I think we just nailed the draft. Okay. Um. Yeah, the Jets get a, like the best player, but then that's also at a position where they've had good defensive tackles before and it just hasn't matter. just can't make it work. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Jets. Yeah, it's too bad they don't have a a smart defensive coach. Oh, wait, they just fired one. Um, Let's see. They need, uh, 49ers need a corner desperately. Um, maybe two. They uh, could use a wide receiver, the inactive playmaker, because Pettis may or may not be good. Trent Taylor is like a decent rotational guy. Goodwin is fast, but we don't know what he does. And Jordan Matthews is uh, a tall slot receiver. Yeah. So they could use like a playmaker on the outside, um, especially if you're in the same camp as all of us, in which we say, you know, Jimmy Graham's so good, he just just retire now and we'll put him in the Hall of Fame because uh, his value will never be higher than it is right now. San Francisco just needs to get depth everywhere. They're that, paper thin. Yep. They they have like pretty good players all over their roster. They probably do need a little bit extra on the edge pass rush, but they could get by with what they have, I think. They just need depth. They need if I was them, I would trade back. I think that the yep. smart move for San Francisco would be to trade back like six spots with the Giants, let the Giants pick Kyler Murray, and then and then pick up in a couple extra picks. And then maybe even trade back again and try to get like a second first uh, like a extra first rounder or something because they need starters more than they need like they just need top top talent. they don't need like a star i think they have like richard sherman was really good last year okay and i think that, that that's like he would maybe even was the best cornerback in the nfc and akilah witherspoon and, could develop and they yeah they may probably need a second corner but then on offense they have all these playmakers breda mckinnon uh pettis they may it would be nice to have a second out a really strong outside receiver but they don't need it but also that's not going to be the second overall pick so, so trading so just back trade, gives you a better chance of getting that. Trading back and then picking like uh, like DK, DK Metcalf, Metcalf at like eighteen, uh, Hollywood Brown, exactly. or all they, these other people I don't, don't want them to have. They don't. They don't need it. So if I was San Francisco, I would trade back. That's what I would do. Are now, you counting on John Lynch to have a good draft though? I think Lynch is actually a good GM. I just uh, Thomas don't think pick. anyone wants to trade up in that spot. Solomon Thomas is a good pick, and it, yeah, they need to find someone who really wants to come up and get Kyler Murray before. Maybe, I don't know, because I don't know who in the front even picks Kyler You'd Murray. want somebody who'd be willing to jump over Oakland, because Oakland might be pulling a smokescreen to get Kyler Murray. Right. The Oakland is the team that... Wild that, card. And I, to be honest with teams. you, Oakland, that would be smart of them. Yep. I think Oakland getting Kyler Murray would be the only... Like, Since they have first, two other first-round picks? First smart thing they've done in a long time. Um, all right. Uh, that's, uh, I think, feel pretty well covered there. Do you anything about else? the Rams? Anything else? Um... Okay, the Rams are going to be slightly worse than last year, but still competitive. Uh, the Rams are old, and they don't have a lot of depth. Yeah, they, I So think... they need to get younger and deeper, especially at corner, defensive end rotation, and the interior of their offensive line. Here's the thing about the Rams. Okay, and Maybe a running back. It's The Rams have a bunch of picks because they got a ton of compensatories. They well, they got, got, uh, they got the 31st and the 1st. They don't have that many picks, actually. They have 7. They have 7. But they've got uh, a first, two thirds, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. So the I think they'll be able to pick up the the like the slight depth that they need. I agree. They'll be basically the same team they were last year. Whatever you think of them last year, one thing to think about is um is the arthritis in Gurley's knees. That contract is now going to be very epically That's bad. An albatross. That is, is that is their Cam Chancellor contract. It's a very bad contract for them. At a bigger and more important position. They so they might need to spend a draft pick on a running back. Which is something that maybe they wish they didn't have to do. Yep. One I think, of those third round picks could go to a running back. Yeah. 
And this is a good running back to be, this is a good draft to be picking running back in that range because there's like 10 guys and they're all basically exactly the same yep. and none of them are first rounders. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah. Whoever, I think whoever jumps up to get the, uh, the first round, the guy who might go in the first out of, uh, um, out of Alabama, Josh, uh, name I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he, like, whoever does that made the worst choice. Uh, Josh Jacobs. Whoever jumps up to get Josh Jacobs is making a poor decision because they're going to be paying a premium for a slight upgrade. This is not like you're getting clearly the best guy. It's not like one of those ones where it's like, here's the one starting left tackle and everyone else might be all right. Dude, there's another guy. This, on, is, this is an it dude. There's another guy on his team that's like, I think, 90% as good. Damian Harris, the other Alabama running back. I'm like, he's almost as good. And if you don't think Harris is almost as good, you probably think Montgomery is, or you probably think Justice Hill is. Darrell Harris. Or you probably think uh, Henderson, or you probably think... Miles uh, Sanders. Miles Sanders out of Penn State, or you probably think uh, Weber out of Ohio State, they're all, or whatever. They're all Pick a dude. Yeah. Uh, Karan Higdon, who's probably going to go in like the fifth or the sixth out of Michigan. Is it that much of a downgrade? Yeah. Or what about like Miles Gaskin or Bryce Love? Like these guys that just kind of have dumped down people's draft boards. Bryce Love might be an upgrade. Yeah. And they just like, are they really so that much? Thank you, Pickle. Are they really that bad? Like Bryce Love, I understand the injury concerns. He, but in like round five, round six, like I'm into. That's a steal. I'm into Bryce. I'm just whatever. Cause the, the, the top ceiling is really high. And yeah, sure. The floor is he's injured and never plays a game. He's CJ Procise. But that's the floor for every running back. But I mean like, yeah, exactly. That's that, that really that bad. Um, that's true of everyone. All right, Seahawks Nest podcast. You want to support? You could head over to patreoncom Nest. and for a little dollar twenty-four a month, you could find some of Kevin's draft profiles. You could find our in-season betting podcast and a little bit more. Uh, thank you very much to all of our patrons, including but not limited to. Do you like how I'm vamping right there? Do you like that's that? Good, that's it's good, good vamping. All right, Forrest, Chuck Attila, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Bob, Karen, Brett, Mike, David, Keith, Flockimus Prime, Arthur, Frank. Michelle, Brian, and Nick, you guys are all awesome, and you really help us out. Since we only do first names, shouldn't you just say Flocktimus? You have to leave the prime off. It's the last um, name. It's actually, he wrote it all one word, so oh, take that. My mistake. Um, yeah, it's all one word, and he's the man now. I like that guy. Okay, um, so our movie clip this week. <laughs> Summer movie season is finally upon us. Avengers Endgame, this Friday. Coming to a theater near you. Three hours. Bring your diapers. It's time for Avengers. So what I thought we'd do, we'd say, there's a lot of sequels this summer. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys, what sequel coming out this summer are you most excited to see and why? And this is the the choices. You ready? Avengers Endgame. I'm I'm also going to count remakes. The Lion King. Toy Story 4. Spider-Man Far From Home. Hobbs and Shaw. Men in Black International. Ex- Wait, both Hobbs and Shaw? Oh, dude. Did you see... Okay, we, we can talk about I did, that. Later. I did see the preview. Okay. The Men in Black I was waiting for Nathan to get excited. X-Men Dark Phoenix. John Wick 3. Parabellum. And Godzilla King of Monsters. And Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, that's not a remake. That's just make up a book. And uh, does, are we counting Pokemon? Detective Pikachu? No. Uh, it's not a sequel. It's a sequel to unless Pokemon, the first movie. Unless no, it's a, well, it's is it a sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Right, Secret of Life of Pets 2, Aladdin. All right, so which which of these are you most excited about, Eric? And why is it Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the trailer? 
You want to know why it's Godzilla? I don't. It has Godzilla in it. Because no, because I don't give a damn about Rodan, and that trailer makes me go, "Oh my god, look at Rodan! It's fucking red." Uh, there's other kaiju it looks guys. So big and dumb. Guys, I can't wait. There's giant monsters that we don't know that are in it, but are obviously in it. We don't know who it is. That's why. It's I just so looks, many shadows. It just looks so awesome, and it's they're probably gonna find a way to screw it up, and I'm gonna be sad on the podcast for three weeks. But uh, yeah, that's why it's Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Okay, Kevin, Kevin, what's your most hyped? Uh, my most hyped coming as a surprise to no one, based on the way that I said it before the podcast started, and both people's reaction was, "Oh yeah, duh." Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be uh, John Wick Chapter Three, Parabellum. All right, what what do you why a is questionable it about John name? Wick? Uh, well, I'm excited about John Wick Chapter Three because I saw John Wick Chapters One and Two. And that's all that needed to happen. But but what but what about Larry Fishburne and Halle Berry being in this movie? That just makes it even better. More, yeah, uh, yeah, Angelica Houston and anything with Ian McShane's voice, let alone the entirety of Ian McShane, is always good. <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's a lot to love about this movie. Um, I have purposefully not looked at anything, uh, though the one of the early trailers played before a movie I saw, and it involved a. Uh, running gun battle with John Wick on a horse fighting people on uh, on motorcycles. motorcycles. Yeah, and I didn't know before that preview that I needed that in my life. And then I saw the preview, and it turns out that I needed that in my life. All right, mine is um, mine is Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and here's why. Okay, David Leitch is directing, and that's the director of the first John Wick. If you didn't know, um, and I think that this, first of all, the preview's sweet. Okay, we've got Idris Elba as some kind of like jacked up supervillain who like has. I don't even know what that role is. He basically, it makes me so happy. He's basically like a like a has superpowers or something. I don't even know. They're like trying to make realistic superheroes in this movie, and so I'm just now excited I'm because I really feel like I like the way David Leitch directs action, and so I am excited to see how he directs the action of the insane fantasy bullshit craziness that is the fast and the furious franchise right it's gonna be the a nice melding of those two things and i really liked what he did with deadpool 2 i thought that movie had really great action i even though i think deadpool what great's a little thin for me sometimes like just how corny the it is some, and, some of those jokes went on yeah, way longer and than it's they like have. it's just a lot of low-hanging fruit right but yeah. the, but but um but the the action in that movie was really good, like really good. And the way they hang around in a in a scene and let you like actually see the action is uncommon for a superhero movie. So I'm excited to see what he does with with Hobbs and Shaw. Um, if he lets you know The Rock and and uh, Idris Elba and Jason Statham really beat the beat the shit out of each other, you know, I'm, I'm pumped for it. I'm in. Are, are um, you letting us do our other thing? So what's the other thing? So the other thing is one movie that coming into the year you had no idea that you were going to have to see this summer that now you have to see this summer. Okay, and this includes any movie that's a non-sequel too. So you, what's your what's your non-sequel movie that or sequel movie? You're like you didn't even see this movie coming. So this this movie came literally in- came out of nowhere for me. Um, I saw a small blip about it in an article. And I was like, oh, that's, that seems kind of weird. I mean, that's funny. And then I saw directed by Danny Boyle. And I was like, all right, you have my attention. And oh, then yeah. I saw even more information about it. I was like, dang it, now I'm going to have to see this movie. Uh, uh, the movie's called Yesterday. That trailer is, is like The so, trailer is it's good. Wild. It's a wild trailer. It's a really good one. Uh, I should not be as excited about this movie as I am. But his movie is a uh, musical comedy. 
uh, directed by Danny Boyle, uh, starring Himesh Patel, who is a musician who, after an accident, finds out he's the only person in the world who knows who the Beatles are, and proceeds to then make a career out of playing Beatles songs. Yeah, he's songs. a career musician, too, yeah. yeah. He's a career musician, but like a guy who just never really got anywhere. And he, he gets famous... By just having the Beatles career. Okay, so... And it's, it's a really dumb premise that looks amazing. Here's my thing about that that movie is just like... There's really legitimate people involved in this I that know, are good at making movies. I don't know what to think. It's like... It's just it's the kind of thing that if that movie's not a tight, like, 105 minutes or less, then there's gonna, just going to be 20 minutes of that movie that I'm like, they could have totally... I have a strong out. feeling this is going to be like a tight, like, 93 minutes. Yeah. Then I, I'm into it, and... Okay, you want me to make everyone who listens to this podcast hate me? Yes. I don't really give a fuck about the Beatles, man. Like, <laughs> I just don't care. That, 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 that's the part that's going to kill this movie for me. The best part was when Kevin showed us the trailer and he talked about it. I watched the trailer. The look on Kevin's face was like he'd been dying to give me my most favorite gift in the world. His look, his smile was priceless and he's like... It's so dumb. But, but he looks at me and he smiles and like this huge like authentic smile and he goes, It's charming, isn't it? <laughs> All right. And it's honestly like it made me want to see it more. Oh, it's an hour fifty two minutes. Oh, out. Ooh, that's yeah, rough. One hundred and twelve. Yeah, that's gonna be tough for me. Twenty minutes, Nathan. Yeah, Try forty five. No, it's not gonna be that bad. Uh, but yes, there's gonna be like twenty minutes in that movie that I'm gonna be like, "Yep, if they would have cut this out, I probably would have loved this." Yeah, movie. that's a little longer than it should be. All right, Eric, what's your surprise? But apparently, Sur- it'll get uh, Oscars love because all you have to do is play music from other people's favorite time and be decent, and you get Oscars love. My surprise movie. Uh, Nathan, you're gonna love this because I have, I was, I saw like tr- uh, a post for this, and I was, I was like, great, I don't need to see this crap. And then you mentioned it. We watched the trailer, and I kind of fell into it. But I probably will only see it if I see it with this room, and that is Detective Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Because I'm not a Pokemon guy. I'm not a Pokemon guy, but I'll tell you. I just love the commercial where he's like, I can talk to Pokemon, and you can talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> And also, I don't know, the the Pokemon battles are going to be pretty interesting. I'm kind of excited to see this movie. And I'm slowly still hating Ryan Reynolds. I just, I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And this movie looks like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's also 144 minutes. Wow. It's super long. That is like Competing my... Competing with the Avengers. No, 144? That's not that bad. Oh, it's over two or, hours. Sorry, hour 44. Sorry, hour 44. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 144 is super long. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the director of this movie, Big the movies he's directed 24. are like... Shark Tale, Monsters vs. Aliens, and Goosebumps. So, like, I didn't know what to think of that. I don't know what to feel about that. Hey, a lot of people loved Goosebumps, even though no one here saw it. Yeah, well, okay. (laughs) This, you guys are putting me in a tough spot here because there's three movies I wanted to talk about, and you guys didn't talk about any of them. So, like, I could say Stuber. Bring them up, listen to them all real quick. I could say Stuber with uh, Dave Batista. That's what you need to say. Stuber's Stuber's my dude, and I know I'm going to love this movie more than anyone else that lives on Earth, and I'm sorry in advance. Um, I could say long shot. Um, Seth Rogen's publicist has done a good job of making me feel like I forgot about Seth Rogen and now he's back. I don't know how they did that, but they did it. Maybe it's because I skipped Sausage Party and like he hasn't been in anything in the last two years, really. So that movie looks awesome to me. I'm into that. But but I gotta go with. I'm gonna go off grid. You ready for this? I'm gonna. The movie that's really surprised me is is this Booksmart movie, Olivia Wilde's directorial debut about two. Uh, best friends who want to have like one wild night before they graduate. I just fucking love shit like this. Super Bad's one of my favorite movies, and I just think I'm gonna really like this movie. 
Um, the trailer's great. It's really funny, um, and I'm I'm excited for about it. So there you go. Um, the, the the byline people say it's a it's a can't hardly wait for millennials. So um, I'm all right. I'm for it. Uh, anything else you guys want to say before we get out of here? Oh wait, let's do this. Um, Avengers. Okay, Eric, you are our resident like comic. You're the nerd. comic book nerd. Which yes, I am. Okay, Avengers. This is the culmination of what. 15 years of, of Marvel movies. Culmination of Has thousands it been of Marvel that movies. long? Um, when did Iron Man 1 come out? 2007? Something like that. Yeah, so okay, we're at 13. 6, 7, yeah, 6, 7. Iron Either way, Man. it's a long time. The culmination of over a decade. 2008, so okay, so it's it's the culmination of, of 11 years of, of Marvel movies. Okay. Okay, We've this has been an 11-year journey towards, well, really like respectability for super, superheroes in film, right? To, uh, to the point now where... Oddly enough, 11 years the runtime for this movie. Oh, yeah. So, Eric, <laughs> how do you feel at this point, like with this culmination? I know you aren't crazy about the MCU, much like me, uh, but but do, does does if you feel like some kind of I feel like some weird sense of pride here? Do you do? You, well, do you buy that's that? nerd pride. It's it's not like I'm against the MCU. I just like outside of the breakfast options, I don't like McDonald's, and Marvel movies are McDonald's. They're Starbucks. It's. It's funny enough that uh, you're going to laugh. It's not going to be violent enough to offend you. There's nothing edgy about it, and I don't need things to be edgy and dark. I just want something that's original, something that will shock me in a good way. And uh, I can already tell you, like, I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. I know everything that's going to happen in this movie, and I think we all do. Having said that, it'll be um, pretty cool to get under the thumb of all the heroes they're used to. This is Evan's last movie. This is possibly robert downey jr's last movie i think this they is they certainly don't want to be him again it's chris hemsworth's last movies this is my understanding either way there's going to be uh a certainly like through this build-up they've had this is phase two this is phase three you're going to have really weird interesting properties coming out from marvel going forward yeah and that kind of interests me so like you're you're in for like the hey now it's time for a squirrel girl, girl movie and we don't care if it only makes like a couple hundred. yeah they're right. making the eternals can't wait for the gambit movie Finally, finally get made. Yes, <laughs> never. Don't uh, bring that up in front of me. Disney, Disney owns, uh, Disney owns Fox now. I know. So yeah, they got it. That's why I said it. Then they can finally kill the these bad X Men movies with this next one, which apparently yes. Dark Phoenix. The test well, they, screenings are funny, but not on purpose. They got one more. Uh, the it new is a movie mutants. I have been consistently not excited about, and continue to be not excited. about. I really wish it was good because Sophie Turner, I like her, but it's just not. But it's movie. not because it's another one of those. All right, Kevin. Uh, so. How about how do you feel about it? Endgame? Is it- uh, I don't know. I'm glad that I feel like superhero movies have just taken the place of uh, 80s to 90s dad action movies uh, instead of getting like Commando and other things that Stallone got. Instead, uh, we get superhero movies and that's, they're fine. I mean, fair. Uh, many of them are like really middle of the road. Some of them extend beyond their own genre to be slightly better than that. Uh Every era has those movies. I th- They're pretty to look at, and some are pretty good. One thing that's weird is they, um, we Marvel, got there. Disney, they've 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 hit this gold mine, right? Where they they found something that appeals to everyone Printing on some money. level. Um, like I'm gonna see this movie, and I'm like like I'm like the probably the biggest MCU hater in this room, right? Like I skip the movies i call them all average i make fun of the movies because i think they're all pretty vanilla but like i'm gonna see it because they're entertaining they're really fun to be in a theater and it's yeah, they're good theater and not only that 
But being in a theater with a bunch of people who are excited about seeing it on opening weekend, there's a palatable energy in the room that I think is really excellent. And it's a great movie-going experience. They have cultivated this experience that I think goes beyond just what is put on the film. And I think that's really cool. I think that's really neat that they've done this. And I, I think if you're excited about it, that's awesome. Like, I, I like encouraging everyone, like, go see it. Like, that's it's really cool. So um, I have another thing to be excited I can't, about. I'm I'm gonna see it on Saturday, and I'm going by myself <laughs> with with 300 of my favorite strangers because my, my wife's gonna, gonna have to watch my stuff for me. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, I think we're all going this weekend, right? I should. I'm going Sunday. I got tickets for the family because that's my son. I have no. Do. I have no tickets. So if you, you so my son wanted to do for his birthday, just be like me. Walk up and buy a single ticket if somewhere you, in a random. If you theater. think we can find one, let's do I it. think it. Here's the thing. I looked at a bunch of the things, and there's just scattered singles all over the place in the the giant theater that Firehouse. I'll say for Infinity War, all those singles sold. I've been looking every day, so they are not. There's still like a few in every every showing. All right, man. And so, I, and I, another luck. thing too is I think like. You know, who's what's going to happen at theaters? They're going to be like, oh, hey, we've got all these showings of, uh, I don't know what, uh, what's out, Breakthrough. And then they're going to be like, well, oh, scrap, scrap Breakthrough. Uh, let's just show, <laughs> let's show, let's show Infinity War on that screen instead, or, or Endgame. And then, you know, the, by the end of the day, there'll be, there'll be tickets to go around. Tickets I, to spare. I Sorry to that we canceled Secret Life of Dogs 2. It's Avengers. Uh, uh, we canceled Secret Avengers of Dogs 2. What else is even out right now? Hellboy? Heckboy? Heckboy. Disappointing Boy? Uh, the other thing I can't wait for is um, post-career resurgent Robert Downey Jr. being able to finance whatever movie he wants to do. Yeah, That's he, exciting. Him and his wife's production company, That's I think they're going to pour everything into that after this uh, and just make movies. Weird Science 2. Weird Science 2. <laughs> Chris Evans with Fuck You Money. Um, that's going to be cool to see I, what movies I he think, chooses to do. I think we won't see much Chris Evans. Uh, or we'll see him pick really weird things that his friend's trying to do. I mean, and he'll be in like super I want weird that out Dundee movie that was an ad for Australia, but wasn't really a movie. I gen- <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. I like where this McBride. keeps going. Yeah. But genuinely, there are some people who have been tied up in these movies that I think are legitimate people that I like. And I am super interested in seeing them get to just do whatever they want. Because it's like what we get from Robert Pattinson right now. Robert Pattinson has all those sparkle vampire dollars hidden away. And he can do whatever he wants. Uh, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Okay, wait. Daniel Radcliffe can we... So, okay, fine. You brought it up. Has uh, has Magic Boy money. You brought just it up. squirreled away. He can do whatever he wants. I'm going to take keep this keep opportunity to talk about it. I saw Robert Pattinson's newest film, High Life, directed by Claire Denis. <laughs> uh Starring Julia Vinoche, are probably the most one of the five finest living actresses on earth. Maybe top five just actors, period, on earth. Okay, I gotta talk about this movie. <laughs> You're getting a movie review, okay, wow. you guys? You guys asked for it. Secret content. Okay. Way we got after this. The bell. We got this last okay, week. Okay, here we go. Um, this movie was the weirdest fucking movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And he especially means the fucking part. Okay, dude, there are so many weird things in this movie. Okay. Here's my review. Uh, I wrote this way, down. If you're still listening with children for some reason, if turn it off. Turn now. it off. If, inter, if, <laughs> inter, if you saw Interstellar and thought this movie needs creepy sex stuff, this is the movie they made for you. Um, it's like Interstellar, but more thinky and weird sex. And if you are those, if you are that person, don't tell us about it. Okay, and then we don't need to know you. That and then well. so the best thing is um, on so on on um, Letterboxd someone wrote a review and it just said um, Inter Semineller and I put and I responded to it I put 2001 A Space Odyssey and then um, okay so two scenes I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about three scenes in the movie okay <laughs> I'm gonna go three scenes 
Okay, first I only, scene. I only remember two. So he's, going, he's going deep. First scene. Just like they did. Okay, first scene. Julia Benoche is standing next to oh air conditioner. The air conditioner is is spraying on her face, and she's like sexy, like waving her hair around in it. And then this creepy guy comes up behind her and starts feeling her up, and she like pushes him away, and she's just like doing her weird sexy hair in the in the air conditioner. And then there's a guy in the doorway, and he's just looking at her like jerking off. And I'm like, what is this? What is the point of this? Why is this happening? Next scene. Okay, not in the direct next scene, but like soon after. The creepy guy who she was like, was feeling her up, he has a stroke while he's exercising on an exercise bike. So he has a stroke and he's like laying in his bed and he's like laying there and he's like, and Julia, she's the ship doctor. So she's like, I'm taking care of him. And then he like, like gives her like one of these like come over here come over here like he's like waving his like like stroked out hand as if know? he's going to say kill me as if he's gonna say like kill me or something and he goes please suck my dick <laughs> okay <laughs> all right man and then she just like she wait wait art she does not do that art. she she injects like poison into his uh his iv bag that's almost the same thing and then she and then she lays on top of him cuddles him to death i guess okay another scene Okay, there's a thing in the there's a thing in this movie where there's like this box they go into and there's like a robotic dildo thing and then they're and they go in there to have get like pleasured and this is the that futuristic part, version of the thing in Burn After Reading. That part is weird. Okay, that that's weird that that exists in this movie. But the weirdest part is when they come out of the box after they're done with their session with the robot sex machine. There there's a big uh big uh like ramp with a hole in it that sh- shoots out just like gallons of white liquid onto the ground after that and it's like disgusting and it makes me want to throw up and then <laughs> gallons huh throughout the movie she's collecting she's like you say. she's collecting like sperm samples from everyone in the ship and there's just all this weird stuff man i'm just like is that where those dude was that where the samples went wait was is this that the written by the person who did a gronking to remember the plot of the movie is basically like they're on a generational spaceship. They got stuck on it because they are prisoners, which is like an interesting question to ask. Like if there's prisoners and you sent them into space, like, and it's basically like a suicide mission. Is that moral or immoral? Cool. It's called they're, Australia. They're doing an, they're doing an experiment there. And they, the experiment is that they were trying to have kids in space. Okay. They're trying to make successful children in space. They're doing that. They're heading towards a black hole as well. They're going to try to do some stuff with the black hole. The first 30 minutes of the movie... That sounds right up this movie's alley. The first 30 minutes of the movie and the last 30 minutes of the movie are like a stone 10. It's the middle hour that I just had like about a thousand problems with, if you couldn't tell. I gave it a 2 out of 5. I didn't... I don't know. So there. There's... There. People who want me to go deep on a movie and movie club, there. You got it. There it is. Um, yeah. If you want to see Interstellar with weird sex stuff, high life. There's Let your movie. Let us know Hit that it. you stuck around and listened to this, please. All right. For Kevin Garber, for Kronovic, we will see you next week. Go Hawks.